0: Matthew 6 verses 19 to 12. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where... Your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Matthew chapter 13 verses 44 to 46. The kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in the field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. This This is the word of the 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 Lord. Lord. Thanks be to God. (laughs) Well done, guys. Yeah, give me a hand. Excellent reading. (laughs) Hi, everyone. Good to see you all. How good is that, having the kids read, hey? So good. Uh, A few weeks ago, uh, our family, we were talking over dinner, um, and conversation somehow turned to what people do in the case of natural disasters, you know, floods, fires, wars, that sort of thing. Um, And we got talking about how sometimes people have to suddenly flee their homes, and Blessy turned and she asked the kids, Hey boys, um, if you only had one minute to run into the house and grab the most precious thing to you, what would you take? Uh, there was much deliberation, but we settled that we would save the Nintendo. That's the most important thing. Um, and it was, it was curious, you know, how the kids process and how we as adults process, what would you grab? What is the most precious thing to you? Uh, you know, my, my family is from Vietnam, and in Vietnam they were jewelers, and my auntie once told me this story of the night before they escaped the war and fled um, to the docks. They got all the kids together, and they got all the family together, and what they did was that they stitched diamonds into the seams of the kids' clothing. And the diamonds actually stayed there uh, all throughout the journey on the boat through the time in the refugee camp, and then eventually were um, unstitched once they had made it to Australia. And actually, um, Blessie carries a piece of our family history on her hand. Um, Thank you, Grandma, because I didn't have to pay for it. Uh, (laughs) But Jesus' words in these parables today, right, they, they raise for us a really important question. What do you treasure most in your life? What's the most precious thing to you? Is it a person? Is it a thing? Is it being a particular type of person? Or is it the feeling that certain experiences can bring? See, Jesus in these two parables here, what he's saying is pretty clear. He's saying that God and his kingdom are the treasure, the treasure that we ought to give up everything to possess. And we should, we should treasure God and his kingdom above all else. And most Christians, I think, wouldn't hesitate to say that this is true and that we should treasure God and his kingdom. But I wonder if we might hesitate to say that we do. So today we'll look at how Jesus' words help us to find and recognize and treasure God and his kingdom. Let me pray for us. Father, this afternoon, help us by your Holy Spirit, to see that you and the kingdom of your son Jesus are the greatest treasure. And give us faith today to lay down everything that we have to take hold of this treasure. We ask this for the glory of your name and in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's begin with talking about how we find the treasure. Let's begin with talking about how we find the kingdom. You see, in both of our parables today, a treasure of immense worth is discovered by two different people. And the first is a man who stumbles upon the treasure in a field. Imagine like a laborer, um, hard at work, digging a trench or tilling the soil for harvest. Now, in the first century, in Jesus' time, um, banks weren't as uh, reliable or widespread as they are today, right? And so people would often keep their treasures safe by burying them in the ground. And particularly in times of political instability or war, people would do this. And now the odds of you know, actually digging up someone's stash might be a million to one, but hey, here's this guy and he's struck gold. Maybe he stumbles upon his employer's stash or maybe he's found uh, a chest that belongs to the person who his boss bought the land off. But regardless of whoever this treasure belonged to originally, the law of the land was that um, the person who owned the land owned whatever came out of it. There was no such thing as finder's keepers. And if he had kept it, he would have been a thief. And so filled with excitement and joy, he discreetly covers up the thing that he discovered, leaving it in the ground. And then he goes away and does everything in his power to take hold of this treasure. He was just going about his normal, everyday life when suddenly he stumbled upon something that changed everything. And it's a bit like the way some people come upon the kingdom of God. Maybe it's your story. Maybe you were just going about your day-to-day life When in a chance encounter, uh, an unexpected conversation, you discover that God and his kingdom are like a precious treasure worth giving up everything for. Or maybe your story is that you hadn't set out looking for God, but somehow he and his kingdom found you. There might be others of us in this room this afternoon or on Zoom um, who are a bit more like the merchant in the second parable. Verse 45, Jesus says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And the merchant was different to the laborer, right? Was, here was a person who was out searching for precious pearls. Now, in Jesus' time, pearls were worth more than gold, and so they were precious. And so here was a person who was using all of their intellect and their business savvy and their skill to buy and sell treasures to make a living. And so you can expect that this pearl merchant was a pretty wealthy person, you know, the kind of person who had access to the highest rungs of society, someone who had seen and tested and tried everything that the world has to offer, who is still searching for the thing that will work, the thing that will satisfy. And maybe you're here this afternoon and you're a bit like the merchant, Maybe you're trying to find what's going to work, trying to find what's going to satisfy you. Maybe you've been buying and selling and trading and trying, hoping to discover a treasure worth giving everything up for. And whether you're like the laborer in the field or the merchant searching, Jesus' parable challenges all of us here today to see that the greatest treasure, the most precious treasure that we can find Is the kingdom of God. And these parables, they um, point us to a moment when a person realizes the worth of what they've discovered. They realize the worth of God's kingdom, which is God's good rule over God's people, renewing God's world. Jesus in Matthew uh, chapter 5 to 7, in the famous Sermon on the Mount, he teaches that the kingdom of God is a place of justice of generosity, of peace. It's the place of faithfulness, of nonviolence, It's the place of truth. It's the place where all of these things actually are always a reality because God is valued above all other things and his goodness pervades everything. And even if you're not a Christian, don't we wish that some version of this kingdom was a reality? Aren't all of our human kingdoms actually trying to bring about something like what Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount? Coming back to the parable to the laborer and to the merchant, this deal was a no-brainer, a no-contest. The treasure that they had discovered was worth so much more than the sum total of everything that they owned. So that when the opportunity to possess this treasure presented itself, they joyfully gave up everything for it. Um, Blessy and I were having a conversation with some neighbors recently who had made some huge sacrifices to come to Australia. They'd migrated here and they'd left their homes and their family and their friends all in search of a better life here. Um, For us Australian citizens, we can often take our citizenship for granted, right? It's just what life is like. We're kind of indifferent to the real value of what it means to be an Australian citizen. But often, it's people who are on the outside that can see the true value of what we have. Um... And so international students, for example, they'll come here and they'll make great sacrifices, leaving everything, leaving everyone, studying all day, working all night, paying thousands upon thousands of dollars, toiling year after year, all in the hopes of racking up enough credit points to move from a student visa to a working visa to permanent residency and then hopefully someday citizenship. And to many of them, the decision to pursue this course of action is a no-brainer. The offer of an Australian passport opens up doors to a life that is many times safer and better than where they've come from. And so if they can just take hold of this citizenship, then every sacrifice will have been worth it. And we see this sense of willing sacrifice in Jesus' parables today. Both the laborer and the merchant give up everything to take hold of the treasure. See, they go home from the discovery and they don't just list their homes for sale. They actually put up on marketplace all of their furniture, all of their clothing, all of their cutlery and their bedding, selling the cloaks off their backs and maybe even their sandals. They sell everything so they can take hold of this treasure. And this is the worth of God and his kingdom. This is the greatest treasure worth giving up everything for. And so the question for us here today is whether or not we would be willing to give up the things that mean the most to us so that we can possess the greatest treasure. If God exists, and if he really is king over the kingdom, if he really has made a way for you to enter into this kingdom and to belong to it, then what could be worth more than that? What if you could possess a life that would last forever, secure in loving relationship with God, free to live in his kingdom eternally? Wouldn't that be worth giving your whole life for? And so let me ask you today, friends, what's the greatest treasure in your life? What's the most precious thing to you? Don't give the right answer. Give the real answer. And as you're sitting there, maybe you're unsure. So let me ask some questions to maybe help you think through this. What, if you lost it, would make your life not worth living? Or when you're alone, where does your mind go to most often? Or what do you think? Or when do you think? If I could just get this, then I will finally be satisfied. And whatever it is that came to your mind, let me ask one more question. What does that treasure give you? What do you gain from it? Because how you answer that last question most likely is your deepest and truest treasure. And for those of us who um, consider ourselves Christians, I wonder how many of us, in a moment of honesty, would wholeheartedly say that God and his kingdom are our greatest treasure. You know, whatever our treasures might be, um, the Bible teaches us, actually, that we... We cannot and we will not, in and of ourselves, joyfully give up everything for the sake of God and his kingdom. And we won't, because too often we fail to see the true worth of God and his kingdom, or we value these lesser treasures too greatly. Some of you will know this story in Matthew 19 of a rich young ruler who comes to Jesus. Now, here was a guy, right, who was really good morally and who was really successful. He comes to Jesus and he asks him, teacher, what can I do to gain eternal life? In other words, what can I do to enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus' response is more than this man can bear, right? Jesus turns to him and loves him and says, sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And in Matthew's account in that chapter, he tells us that the wealthy young man walks away from Jesus depressed because he couldn't turn his back on his wealth And maybe it was his material comforts, maybe it was the status that wealth gave him, maybe it was the power, whatever it was, he treasured it too much. He turned his back on Jesus and eternal life because he couldn't turn his back on his treasure. Consider with me for a moment, yeah? This man's request he comes to jesus and he asks him teacher what can i do to have eternal life eternal life life that lasts forever right life that will never spoil or perish or fade this is what this guy's asking for and then jesus answers him and shows him the way to take hold of it surely right this guy knows that everything that money can buy is finite is temporary, will fade away. Surely he knows this, right? But still he turns Jesus down. Still he turns his back and walks away. And this is where over, uh, overly treasuring finite things brings us. Overly treasuring finite things, it leads us to turn our back on eternal, ultimate things. wealth, it's not bad in and of itself. It's not evil. But if you treasure it more than you should, it'll stop you from taking hold of the greatest treasure. Same goes for family or friends or a relationship or acceptance or comfort. Jesus puts it this way three chapters earlier. He says this, What good will it be for a person to gain the whole world and yet lose their soul? You see, we cannot see the worth of God and his kingdom unless we see the true worth of our earthly treasures. See, unless we can see that our earthly treasures are exactly that and that they have no ultimate power to save and satisfy our souls, then we will never treasure God and his kingdom as we should. Back to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, Jesus opens up this famous sermon with the beatitudes. And the first cab off the rank is this: Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And here Jesus is saying that his kingdom belongs to those who know that there's nothing that they can do, nothing that they can say, no price that they could pay to merit citizenship in His kingdom. See, in our Western uh, modern secular culture right now, it might not be a religious one but it's a highly moralistic one, right? We as a society, we try to make ourselves righteous by voting right, acting right, looking right, thinking right. And in doing this, we try to earn the right to belong to our particular kingdom. And everyone else who won't do the same doesn't deserve to be there with us. Our secular world does this all the time. We cancel people left, right, and center. And cultural Christianity isn't innocent of that either. To borrow Jesus' words, we try to enter the kingdom by force. We want the kingdom without the king. We want the goodness of the kingdom without having to admit our poverty of spirit and submit ourselves to Jesus. So today, whether you've stumbled upon it or you've been chasing the kingdom for years, Admit that you're poor in spirit. Give up constantly needing to have something to offer. Give up your self-made righteousness. Repent of it. Because entering the kingdom and treasuring it are both done in the same way. By looking to its king. Jesus, unlike the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, he treasured nothing above the Father and his kingdom. Actually, Hebrews 12.2 tells us that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. His death on the cross was the price that God, Father, Son, and Spirit paid to bring his people, his citizens, into his kingdom. And unlike Australia's difficult visa system, there's nothing that we could do to earn or merit enough credit points to deserve God's goodwill and a place in his kingdom. But Jesus gave up everything on the cross for us. He was stripped of the riches of his glory, stripped of the wealth of his honor, so that those who are poor in spirit Could belong to God's kingdom and it to us. And now the resurrected and glorified Jesus sits enthroned as king over this kingdom. And friends, this is the greatest treasure. Jesus's cross alone purchases your right to citizenship and it makes it possible for us to live with Jesus and his kingdom as our greatest treasure. Family, the extent to which you can see and know and trust that this is true is the extent to which you will treasure Jesus and his kingdom. Let me say that again. The extent to which you can see and know and trust that this is true will be the extent in which you treasure Jesus and his kingdom. For those of us um, who have been followers of Jesus for some time, reading these parables can uh, read a bit like maybe the honeymoon phase of a relationship, you know, when emotions are running high and there's no sacrifice too great for love, right? But what does it look like 10, 20, 30, 40 years on? How can we, as citizens of Jesus' kingdom, keep living with God and his kingdom as our greatest treasure? Jesus teaches in Matthew 6 um, that Gabe read for us before. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, Jesus says. Jesus knows how we work as humans. He knows that what we treasure the most, that's what our hearts will desire the most. That's what our minds will think of the most. That's what our emotions will feel the most satisfaction in. And so he's teaching his disciples that they need to reorient what they deem most valuable. They need to shift the primary treasure of their hearts away from material, earthly things over to heavenly, spiritual things. Treasuring the kingdom of God is more than just living by kingdom ethics more than just valuing kingdom things like justice or community. Although it's certainly not less than living that way. Friends, we cannot treasure God and his kingdom unless we treasure the king. The apostle Paul puts it this way in Philippians 3. He says... a righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. See, Paul gets it, that God is the greatest treasure. Christ, Jesus, is the pearl without price and everything else in this life pales in comparison to him. To know and to be known by the king of the universe and to live for him is more precious than anything that this life and this world can offer. Unlike everything else in this world, that will never decay. It can never be taken away. This doesn't mean that other things in your life don't matter. Your family, your work, relationships, justice and mercy, they all matter. They all matter to Jesus. But treasuring Jesus above all of these things puts all of them in their rightful place. Friends, we can live this way with God as our treasure because as Paul says, we're not made worthy of the kingdom by our own actions. We're made worthy of the kingdom by trusting in Jesus and what he has done on our behalf and what he promises will be ours in the future. Um, I'll close with this. Uh, by God's grace, Blessie and I celebrated our eighth wedding anniversary a few weeks ago. Purely grace, purely grace. God is good. And in preparing for this sermon, um, I couldn't help but reflect on how there are times in a relationship where you can just catch yourself really appreciating and treasuring the other person. It happens in friendships um, just as much as it does in a romantic relationship, Right? You just look at the other person and you think, oh, geez, you're awesome. If you're an Aussie, he's like, oh, you're all right. Um, You know, your heart can be surprisingly warm toward that person, right? Your eyes, you just see you're drawn to their worth, and you can't help but express your delight in them. But other times, it takes a bit more effort. You've got to consciously open your eyes to see their value rather than the things that annoy you about them there are times where you've got to deliberately remind yourself of the good things about that person and make an effort to express your appreciation for them and in my experience it's it's quite the same with Jesus there will be times when your heart may be naturally or even unusually inclined toward him right You might just experience moments in your day where your thoughts and your desires are toward God and his kingdom with very little effort. Times when you feel deep gratitude for what Christ has done for you and it overflows into adoration and thanks and praise. There are other times where it takes more work. And sometimes you've just got to put yourself in the situation to be reminded of what's true to open your eyes and to see things as they truly are. Sometimes you've got to make the effort to express your appreciation for Jesus and his surpassing worth, irrespective of how you feel. And sometimes you actually need a community around you to help you to do this, to remind you of the immeasurable treasures and riches that we have in Christ, and to challenge you when you're treasuring other things too much, And we need a community to walk together with us as we wrestle with doubts and questions about Jesus and his worth. And family, that's the kind of kingdom people that God wants us to be. A church that treasures God and his kingdom above all else and lives it out in our everyday lives together. And regardless of where we find our hearts today, whether they burn white hot with affection for Jesus or whether the flames of desire for him are more like a smoldering wick, the truth of God and his kingdom do not change. God's kingdom is the greatest treasure because God is king over it and there is nothing more precious than that. Let me pray. Father, thank you that you are more precious than anything in this life. Thank you that you've shown us your worth and the worth of your kingdom through Jesus. Thank you that you've made a way for us to enter into your kingdom as its citizens by his blood shed for us on the cross. And thank you that now we can live with you as our treasure, finding our ultimate hope and contentment, and satisfaction in you, rather than the things of this world. Help us to live with our treasures and our desires rightly ordered, and give us the power to live with you as the greatest treasure of our hearts, today and tomorrow and forever. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.